everyone, welcome to the 21st episode of the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, the editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com, and this week I have the writer of Captain Marvel, of Avengers Assemble, um, Ghost, and soon, which I, I really want to talk to you about, um, Pretty Deadly, we have <laughs> Kelly Sue DeConnick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, guys. Uh, last week, we had Captain Marvel number 11. Mm-hmm. And she's not doing so well. No, no, she's not. It's going to get worse. Oh man! I know, I know. It's very painful. And uh, so she, she's got something going on in her brain, and she's been told she can't fly. Mm-hmm. Now, and and that doesn't just mean like in a plane. That means she can't use her yeah, powers. In fact, in fact, she could fly in a in a plane. Um, yeah, because she, she uses Captain America's sky cycle thing exactly um but if she engages her uh her flight powers it makes uh the uh the the lesion in her brain is migrating um and it's it's every time she uses her flight powers basically it it crawls deeper into her head Mm. so (laughs) um well hopefully things will get better um i guess we'll have to, to wait and see yeah, it's going to get way worse before it gets better. Oh, man. I know. Um, it's, hard. it's really hard. But the thing to remember is um, they're heroes, mm-hmm. and they don't get a chance to show how extraordinary they are unless we give them great challenges to face. Yeah. So um, we all know that she will rise above this and that she will she'll win. Um, what the excitement lies in figuring out how she'll do it and uh, and what price she'll pay. Hmm. Okay. Um, what can you, you tell us about um, this Frank, Frank Gianelli? Because mm-hmm. um, he, is he a fairly new character? He's not. He goes back to her original uh, series in the 70s. Okay, because I didn't, didn't really remember. It, it sounded familiar, but I, 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 just, like, I don't know if I remembered him or not. Yeah. I mean, he kind of got abandoned. Um, uh, he was a... Um, I mean, you know, not not without good reason. He he was a photographer at the uh, at the magazine that she worked at, uh, which is called Woman Magazine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Tracy uh, Burke and he were both colleagues of hers there. Um, and I I loved them, so I brought them back the first chance that I got. Because uh, I, I I looked him up on because on our in our database. I mean, we we have pretty much like every single character added to the, the database. And, and I was surprised that he didn't have one. So that's why I was, I was like, is he new? And I had to say for some reason in the, the last few issues, maybe I'm just, you know, to the, the skeptical comic book reader, but it's like, I don't know if I trust him and I don't know if I'm just reading into it or, you know, if, if that's something that we're supposed to be kind of wondering. Hmm. If you were supposed to be wondering that, I probably wouldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, no, Frank is uh, Frank is not new. Um, your database is extraordinary. I'm sure every uh, writer and artist that you talk to compliments you on it because I know we all use it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. Yeah, I love it, and I've recommended it to many people. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, thank you. You make my job easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Frank has uh, Frank has been around um, at least since the uh, Claremont days. Um, I don't think he's in the, I think, I suspect he is a Claremont invention. I don't think he's in the, um, in the Conway issue. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't into the Brian Reed. No, Brian, um, uh, yeah, Brian didn't, he, unfortunately for Brian, he was so, um, uh, embroiled in so many events Mm -hmm. run that, uh, he didn't get, um, I mean, I, I love his series, but he, he didn't, uh, he did a great job with what he, uh, uh, the, the events that he had to work with, he did an extraordinary job, but he didn't, he didn't get to establish much of a, um, supporting cast for her because, uh, she was always em- embroiled in a big event, you know? Yeah. So, uh, now you're also doing Avengers Assemble. Yes. And I think we can firmly say, cause I, I know for, for the longest time, people kept wondering if it was in continuity or not. And I, I think it's safe to say that, yes, it definitely is. It definitely is in continuity. Yes. Um, and I know that there are things that people have pointed out and said, Oh, no, gotcha. It's not in continuity. <laughs> and, and I'm afraid that there's probably a no prize in there somewhere. And then some of it's just, you know, yes, people can be in the Marvel universe on two teams at once or two things can be going on at once. And different writers have different, Voices sometimes for characters um, subtly, I hope. But yes, we are firmly in in six one six continuity. Okay, that's good to know. So um, the the next issue uh, issue actually is is it is fourteen coming out next or fourteen AU? Um, I think there there's no. It, there's no differentiation between the AU just stands for age of Ultron. Okay. So, uh, uh, 14 is 14 AU. And those, um, the two crossover issues are being done by, um, Al Ewing. Okay. Um, so I am, uh, not on those and, uh, and unfortunately I haven't read them yet. So I, um, I can't tell you anything about them except that I've corresponded with Al a little bit and he's delightful. So I'm sure they're wonderful. Okay. Cause I, I totally got my, my information wrong. Cause I, I thought that there was going to be like the regular issue and then the AU issue also. So there would be like a 14 and a 14 AU. So I, I, that, that's good to know. Cause I, I, I mean, it, it made sense in a way. Cause you know, obviously we're in the middle of a storyline, you know, Carol's dealing with all the stuff and then, you know, we kind of have to take this little segue to tie in with um, Avengers, or, I, mean, I mean, with Age of Ultron. So it's yeah. Are, are you conflating two books though? Here, um, Carol is in the middle of a. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So um, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So in Avengers Assemble, um, we just saw it at the end of Black Widow's story. Right. And then it looks like in issue 14, they're going to continue with Black Widow, but in Age of Ultron. So that exactly okay. right. So. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. as a reader. Um, uh-huh. You know, it, it's because, like I said, my my original understanding. I thought that we would have the regular issue, and then we would have the tie-in issue, so that way 
you know, you, you kind of have the best of both worlds where sure. the series is still going on and not being interrupted. But then, you know, we'd have these tie-in issues. So Yeah. Okay. But, aren't these all just naming conventions, though? It I mean, is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, believe me, I, I, I hear you. I, I am completely perplexed by the 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 way that we number and i mean uh, the the events that i have coming up uh between captain marvel and avengers assemble um it goes enemy within number one avengers assemble number 16 captain marvel number 13 avengers assemble number 17 captain marvel number 14 So that's not complicated. You don't need a checklist for that. That's no. not hard. No, because uh, with our database, I mean, you know, we, we had these issues, too, you know, with, with the regular numbering, you know, because yeah. we have to make sure we can have the point issues and, you know, half issues and negative issues. Oh, man, I bet that's a huge headache for you guys. And um, we're, we're actually uh, um, just like relaunching like a new version of the site. And so one of the things I was like, we need to be able to put in the AUs, you know, for the, for the numbering. So, yeah, it's. It's it's always interesting when they they go back and but I guess that's just how I, I don't think it's a change. To my knowledge, it was there was never there was never going to be a fourteen and a fourteen AU. Okay, I I'm because just... when I was when I was uh, uh, oh I gave up those issues because of my schedule um, and it, it wouldn't have I mean it wouldn't have made any sense for me to give them up mm-hmm. if. Uh, if there were going to be two more, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm just making stuff up then, which. Well, no, I mean. <laughs> this is what I wanted to see. With good reason. With good reason. I, 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 it makes sense to me how you would think that, but, uh, but I don't think that was ever the plan. So um, Captain Marvel is not involved in Age of Ultron. Right. Okay. And I don't Well, I mean, not, not in her main title. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about Ghost? How, how's that going for you? Uh, Ghost is great. Ghost just wrapped up our um, miniseries that sets up the ongoing and the ongoing. Um, I think that's going to start in October. Although, don't quote me on that. You should. Uh, anybody who wants to know should tweet uh, Patrick Thorpe, who is our editor, to specifically find out when the ongoing launches. Okay, and is uh, the artist? The artist is not announced on that yet, although it has been announced that um, it'll be uh, uh, Chris Sabella, who I've worked with uh, on Captain Marvel uh, on and off, is going to be uh, co-writing Ghost with me as well. Cool. All right. Now, um, last summer at San Diego, so at the, the image panel, yes. um, you announced Pretty Deadly. Yes. Um, so why don't you tell everyone – what that's and like, like when is that coming out? Because I'll, I'll, I think I just remember it was like 2013. So I don't know if right. And that's all we've said specifically um, because uh, uh, n- neither Emma nor I is particularly fast, um, and uh, we are not going to solicit until we have three issues completed, and we have completed one. <laughs> um, so because uh, we didn't get to start on it immediately, um, we didn't start on it. Uh, until the winter, actually. So it was many months after the announcement when we actually got to sit down and start working on it because of um, both of our obligations. Um, so, but we have one issue completed and we're trucking on the second issue. 
Um, I got pages coming in frequently on that. Um, and, uh, so I, I won't confirm when it's going to be solicited or out because I don't want to make any promises and break them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, we, we will most certainly shout it from the, the, the rooftops when we're ready. Okay. So well, what can you tell? I mean, it's, it's a female assassin is the, the main character. Um, yeah. You know what? It, the funny thing is, so the book was pitched and, uh, and accepted and, uh, and we announced in, um, San Diego last year. And I kind of had, and I, I talked about what I thought the book was going to be, what our plans were for the book, uh, on that panel. And once we got into the actual writing of the book, it has changed significantly. Um, it, it's very, it's a, it's been a very interesting process um, and frustrating too, because I think that there's, we're in a weird position. I don't think that there's any other, you know, it's, it's as though like you were to, the, the way we're asked to, to pitch these books um, and not, not, not the pitch process in the, in the, to get them published, but rather the pitch process in, with the media. Um, you know, I, I'm, I have to have my little, my little elevator talk um, for the book down before the book is actually written, which what it, it, that, that robs us of a lot of the discovery process. Mm-hmm. It's like checking over the shoulder of a painter every time he takes out a new color and asking him to tell you what the painting's about now, you know? Um, and I think that there's, I mean, I understand why the industry has evolved like this. I understand why it happens and, and I understand that we have to do it and I get why. And I get that we have to solicit our books three months before they come out and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And, you know, and there's news cycles and I get it. Um, but I think that there's, there's a certain amount of, um, shucking and jiving, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, unless you are someone and there are a lot of people like this, but I will be a hundred percent honest with you that I am not one of these people. There are people who um, meticulously outline um, and then stick to that outline, and they can tell you everything about the book before the actual creation of the book. Um, I am not one of those people. Um, my collaboration with Emma is not one of those collaborations. This book has developed and changed as we work together on it. As art comes in from her, I find things about the characters um, that I'm seeing changing, and that influences the direction that I go. And um, so the book that I thought I was writing is, in fact, not the book I'm writing at all, uh, uh, which has been a, a sort of interesting and harrowing discovery and process. The, the One of the things that I thought was the thing I loved the most about the book in the beginning, the thing that, that I really wanted to do. And in fact, I had really pushed to sell, uh, Emma on, um, got cut entirely. Um, uh, everything about this, uh, this one character and, and her whole background and everything is, is, is completely gone from the book. Um, so, uh, it's odd. Hmm. Um, but the, the, the titular character, the, the character you see on the teaser is still a, 
a super important part of the book. She's still there. Um, it is still a Western. It is still um, not as funny as I think it still has a sense of humor, but it, it's if you're used to if you're coming at it um, used to my marble work, it, it's not quite that sense of humor. Um, it's it's a um, it's a surprisingly dark book, um, which I I didn't set out to write. I thought when Emma and I first started talking about it, we were going to do this like schlocky nineteen seventies. Um, like pinky violence romp. It was going to be bloody and funny and cool. And, uh, and it's turned into kind of a real thing. It's, um, it's not that at all. Uh, it's got some heft to it that I wasn't expecting. Um, but it is stunningly beautiful. It's, uh, really, Emma is so gifted. Um, and she's putting everything on the page. It's, it's, um, tremendous so well, i mean how, how's that feel to you know because this is your own thing you know you can completely change you know the direction and you know not have to worry about it yeah um it's terrifying honestly <laughs> um but uh but but it but it's amazing as well um and, and you know i've watched friends of mine work on creator-owned books and and um kind of lament the process as like the, the most difficult of their projects. And um, particularly, uh, you know, my husband, Matt talks about how writing Casanova takes three times longer than anything else. And, um, uh, I get it now. I absolutely get it. Um, there's a, uh, this book is so much more personal than I ever imagined it would be. Um, and it is, uh, it really does feel like it has a life of its own. Like it, it, it knows what it's going to be. And, and I don't know, the truth will out or something. Hmm. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I was intrigued before and now I'm just like, Holy crap. It's like, I, I really want to see how this turns out. Well, cool. Um, uh, it is, uh, it, it's got a, a supernatural aspect to it that I was, had never planned. Um, uh, it's not even, I don't know if I call it supernatural. There's a, um, what, what, how would I describe it? I need to come up with some, a good pithy description. Um, uh, it is a, a macabre Western fantasy, let's say. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> now, now as for, for Matt, how do you guys, do you guys like work from home? Do you have like an office? Do you work separately? You know, what, what's like that, like, you know, since you're both writers, uh, we, uh, the downstairs level of our house has our office space in it. Um, we have separate offices. Um, and, uh, we tend to work at separate times as well. Um, uh, I tend to get up early in the morning, though lately, not as successfully. Um, uh, I get up before the kids, and work for a little while, then the kids get up and, um, I have a morning with them and then, uh, um, and then Matt, uh, 
Matt gets up after I've uh, gotten the kids off to school and uh, we both have a work day during the day. During the day is mostly for, for you know, business work, like you, uh, lettering passes and phone calls and talking to editors and interviews and scheduling and that sort of thing. Uh, email. Um, and then uh, uh, I've been forced to try and do more writing during the day recently. Um, and then, uh, uh, I tend to go to bed with the children, um, about eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and then Matt will work until about 1, uh, AM. Hmm. Um, what, what conventions are you guys going to next? Uh, let's see. We're going to do a signing in Anaheim together. Um, when is that? That is at the end of April. Uh, in May, I'm going to be doing a signing in Durham, North Carolina. Then in June, we're doing Heroes Con in North Carolina. Um, we might have a signing coming up after that as well, but I'm not sure yet. Um, and uh, that's all that's announced at this time. I think there's one more that's going to come on the schedule, though. We just confirmed yesterday. So as soon as I get the heads up from from the uh, the convention, I'll announce that one. Okay, um, going back to working with with Emma. Uh, so you guys did the the five issue miniseries uh, Osborne. Mm-hmm. What was it like writing? You know, it's such a vile character. It was great. I love that book. Um, I had a wonderful time with that book. I'm very happy with it. Um, I think my if I go back. I haven't reread it in a while, but, um, the only, the only, uh, I think my pacing, the pacing of the conclusion could have been a little better, but for the most part, I'm really happy with that book. And that was my first chance to work with Emma and she's amazing. She's my favorite. I love her to death. I mean, I, I thought the idea of, of the prison, you know, this, this secret, mm-hmm. you know, prison for all these really evil people. I mean, I, I thought that was brilliant. And I, I was, I was a little bummed that, like at the end, it you know it kind of like well now people know about it. Yeah, well that was kind of the thing. Is it was it's it we wanted to suggest that there was like a dampening quality to it that like even if you if you knew about it like something about it made you forget it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was why we had to have all new character was, was because. If they were, the point was that, you you know, they had to be so bad that you would send them down there to be forgotten for all the world. So they couldn't be anybody you'd ever heard of before, you know? Yeah. So, So, I mean, what was it like, um, you know, coming up with all these really, really bad villains? It was really fun. Um, It was really fun. And I'm uh, just delighted that at least two of them have kind of stuck, you know? Um, that's, that's a cool feeling to, to see your creations out in the Marvel universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Every, every time I see, uh, anything with, uh, June Covington or, uh, Iapec, um, I, 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 it makes me proud like a mother, you know? Yeah. We just need to wait for the action figures to come out or, or something. There you go. There you go. That'll be cool. Now, uh, okay, I know you you 
have no control over this, but it's like, we need more of, you know, Carol Danvers out there. And, you know, a lot of people are like, and they ask me like, you know, like I, I know anything about it, but they're like, you know, what do you think about Carol Danvers, you know, being in the Avengers movie? Yeah. I have no connection to that either, but I think it would be wonderful. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it would make sense. I, I, I hope that she gets brought in at some point. Um, but yeah, I am, I am so separate from, uh, uh, you know, publishing in the, in the movie department are, are pr- pretty, there's a, there's a very few people who cross over and I am not one of them. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, uh, uh, very much outside of my wheelhouse, but I'm a, a big fan just like you. So, um, I would, I would love it if she was out there. Um, and I got some news, uh, uh, on some upcoming Carol merchandise. So, mm-hmm. um, that as soon as that's okay to talk about, then I will certainly talk about that too. But I, I know that that's a big thing is people want to be able to buy Carol stuff. Yeah. There hasn't really been any in the new, uh, that reflects the new uniform of the new title. And there is about to be. So that's good news. What's been the I mean, over that's a scoop. I haven't said that to anybody. So oh. <laughs> there you go. That's new stuff. I, I'm going to be watching your Twitter feed to wait, wait for you to announce it. And you can say, I had it first. Yeah. What's been the overall opinion on, on our, her new costume? Um, I have no idea. I mean, I, I am a, um, the people who come to me, the people that I am, that are, that are going to directly give me feedback are of course going to be the people that like it. So from my worldview, it's an overwhelming success, you know, but, um, uh, but if I venture outside of my, uh, comfort zone, um, uh, you know, there are, there are certainly people in the world who are not fans. So, well, I have to say, I mean, for as long as I've been reading comics, you know, I, I've always liked the character, you know, and all her different incarnations and, you know, when she was Warbird and binary and, and everything, um, I, I do really like new costume and as, nice. you know, as, as much as, you know, I'm all about tradition, you know, same thing with like Wonder Woman. I mean, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel's, co- I mean, it was basically, you know, it was like a bathing suit with, you know, boots yeah. and, and, and a sash. And yeah, and I, I mean, I get it. It, it, um, you know, a lot of the, the early female superheroes, um, are based on swimsuits because that's what, uh, gymnasts wore, mm-hmm. uh, was basically a swimsuit, you know, and it was kind of going from that look, um, because that was, like what an athletic woman would wear. Um, but as they evolved, they became, you know, less swimsuits and more fetish wear, um, <laughs> as the, the sides crept up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at some point it became, uh, yeah, I, I, I am a fan of the old costume. Um, I'm a fan of Dave Cockrum's. I think it's beautiful. I think it was of its time. Um, but I think that, uh, it was, uh, it was dated. Um, it, in a, in a contemporary context where we see, uh, these superheroes portrayed, you know, it, 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 time was, you never saw them when they weren't cartoons. Now it's so much a part of our comic book 
culture that we go to conventions and we see people dressed up in them as them and in films they're portrayed by you know real people and they these things have to be made to look like they could exist in our world and when you take those outfits and put them on real life people in the real world it starts to look a little ridiculous um and there's no getting around the fact that it's hypersexualized mm-hmm. um and carol is a very practical uh woman and it didn't reflect that practicality um nor uh nor her military background mm-hmm. um and i think the new uniform does yeah i mean i like i said i, I think it's great and you know speaking of merchandise it, it's almost like it's screaming you know make more you know stuff it, it's just it's such a visually pleasant i mean i don't know if it's just a, the combination of the colors and the design you know it, it's I, I I just really, really like it. And, well, fantastic. But. I'm so glad. I, I like it too. And I understand. I can agree to disagree with folks that, that don't care for it, and that's okay. Um, we don't all have to agree on everything, absolutely. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I like it, and I love, I love how many um, women have been excited to cosplay her mm-hmm. since the costume change, and I love how many girls have been able to cosplay her since the costume changed too. Yeah, it's great. Cause I know, I mean, you've posted lots of you know images and, and that, and it, it, it's, it's a nice thing. And, and, you know, that, that's the whole thing where, you know, you got the stereotype that, you know, girls don't read comics, but it's like, no, they, they actually do. And yeah, yeah, they will. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you don't make comics that belittle them or over sexualize them or insult them, they will totally read comics. Mm hmm. Because like like my daughter's nine and you know it it gets to be so hard where it's like you know because she she reads her share of comics but you know it, she can only read certain ones and yeah I mean there's other ones just like you know yeah let's you know you don't need to see that and so yeah so yeah. Um, and you know as you know there there's there is nothing inherently masculine about the notion of heroism. Um, about power fantasies, about aspirations to, to be better or stronger or do good. Um, there's, there's nothing about that that is solely the realm of the masculine, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, our, our, our little girls have the same, the same ideals. And believe me, as a five-foot-tall woman, I can tell you about power fantasies, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and that, and I get off my soapbox now, but... That is the thing we could go on and on about. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, I always say it's like, you know, my daughter, she, she knows more about comics than anyone at her school. You know, yeah. So that, that's her, her. You're doing good work there. Yeah. And I mean, she, she, she blows me away when, when she pulls up stuff that's, you know, like that, you know, a comic that she read like, you know, two years ago, or she'll still remember like, like a line of dialogue or something. And I'm just like, that, that's great. That is fantastic. Um, so I know your, your, your time is limited. Um, is there anything else you want to mention, bring up, um, tease about the next issues? Um, we, I just wanted to uh, uh, mention again that we have a, a crossover event coming up um, called Enemy Within uh, that will uh, uh, close out the storyline started in the current Captain Marvel run, um, bring that to a conclusion, and uh, it'll be the biggest challenge that Carol has faced yet and she'll come out of it with a um 
dramatic change to her status quo uh, and to her relationship with Jessica, Drew, Spider-Woman. Nice. All right. So, Death of Captain Marvel, part two. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I hope I do get to run into you because I, I know I just like missed you by like minutes at, at Emerald City every time I went by. You know, so I, I kept missing you. So definitely need to catch up somewhere some point. All right. Sounds good. I'll look forward to it, man. Okay. Thank you so much. And um, we'll keep, keep reading and looking forward to your announcements. Be, well, thank be, you. I'll be waiting, waiting for them to, to come out. Thank you so much. And, and I love your site. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was Kelly Sue DeConnick. Uh, make sure you check out her books, uh, Avengers Assembled. I mean, um, it's getting interesting. So we, the last couple issues, uh, if if you missed them or haven't read them, dealt with uh, with Black Widow, and because you know she some stuff she had read in her ledger. So um, we find out a little bit more about that. So that that was really interesting. And Captain Marvel, uh, it's it's a great series. I mean, I know we don't talk about it enough. We definitely should, but I. She's a character, you know, I, I know I've said this before. I just, I really like that character because, you know, there's so few really, like, spectacular, great female characters, especially, you know, at Marvel. You know, there are some, you know, I, you know, let me take that back. But there's something really about her. I mean, I, I like that, you know, she's a strong, independent, and, you know, she's definitely leader material. You know, she, she led the Mighty Avengers for a while. So it's I can't tell you how happy I am that, you know, she has a series again because – with the, the Brian Reed run, I mean, that, that last 50 issues, I mean, 50 issues for a female character in these days, that, that's huge. So, um, unfortunately, with, uh, you know, Kelly Sue couldn't stay on forever with, with us. So, that means I get to answer these questions by myself. So, I know um, some people, if you've been following along on the, 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 the forum, on the, let me mention that. If you have any questions that you would like to ask me, and sometimes possibly the the guest that joins me, you can go to the general discussion, look for the Ask G-Man video questions thread. It's pinned at the top of the general discussion page. You can put some questions there, or you can also go to Twitter. Uh, my my name there is G-Man from Heck, all one word. Um, but make sure when you ask a question, use a hashtag ask g-man so just all one word and i will answer your questions so last time on the the kyle higgins episode i know um i kind of jumped around a little bit so if you have been following along in the threads and you're like hey you skipped my questions um i there is a reason for it some of them you'll see in a video actually um possibly the video is up and depending on on how I got, you know, all that time travel thing. So I, I, the video, a video has been shot with a, a couple of the questions from the, the forums. And um, yeah, so I'm going to go back, try to answer as many as I can before I need to run, um, go home and let my doggy out so he can go potty. You know, I don't want him crossing his legs at home. So the first question comes from Cotmaw5. Says, G-Man, you're, you're awesome. Thanks. Um, I had a question, um, being that they bring characters back after death all the time. I wanted to ask, I absolutely love Banshee. What are your thoughts on if and when he might be back? Banshee, so we're talking about Sean Cassidy. Banshee is a really cool character. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. So, yeah, his power is he can scream really loud. He can scream and he can fly, you know, the sonic wave. But there is more to him than that. And, 
you know, we, we got to see a lot of him, especially in Generation X, you know, where, you know, he stepped up and, you know, he was the co-headmaster of the school. But then, you know, there's just all the stuff with his past where, you know, he was, you know, like, you know, did, did a lot of like, like agent stuff. And he, he's a really cool character. The problem is, you know, first of all, I am surprised that he's been gone for so long. And, you know, just like his daughter, Teresa, when it first happened, you know, she was in complete denial over it. She's like, that's all right. You know, he's going to be back. And, you know, she's been, must have been reading too many comic books because it just, it just seemed like it was a given that he was going to come back. But for whatever reason, someone somewhere just said, nah, let's, let's not bring him back yet. And, you know, even got to the point where, you know, Teresa, she used to go under the, the name Siren. Now she's calling herself Banshee, although... She's gone through some some other changes in, in recent uh, issues of X Factor, but I would like to see him back. And you know, I, I've said it before. I I'm not a fan of the comic book death and then you know the inevitable resurrection. You know, moments later. But with these characters, you know, you, I do have to say. I mean, you, you kind of do need death in comics. You need to have the fact that characters can die. You need to have that that risk. That that danger there, because otherwise, there there's no there's no reason to worry, and you know, these these characters become untouchable, and they know they can just go out, and that doesn't matter. So having characters die is kind of like the reminder that like, hey, we may have these super crazy powers, but you know we have to be careful too. There is a risk, so we'll see. But now that he's been gone for so long, you know the the trick comes: how would they bring him back? without it being like, you know, totally corny. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I, I do like him. He's a classic character. It, it's crazy that he's been gone so long. So we'll just have to wait. I don't know. Um, Cop Mall 5 also says, um, being that the X-Men movies always kind of fit classic characters randomly, which one character from each Alpha Flight, X-Factor, and New Mutants would you like to see in future movies? Um I let's see. Uh, I'd kind of like to see Puck. I, you know, I'm, he's a cool character, and you know, a lot of people poke fun at him. But you know, he could be interesting, or maybe even like you know, James McDonald. You know, this Vindicator. You know, that that would be cool. Um, Sasquatch. I, I know I'm, I'm mentioning more than one. Sasquatch could be cool too. Him just you know, this big hairy, you know, Sasquatch character. That that could have some great visuals. Um, as far as X Factor. I'm going to go with Havoc, even though he's not an X-Factor anymore. You know, he would, would be really cool. Um, and obviously, I think it goes without saying, you know, we, we need multiple men. We need Madrix. I mean, he he's a cool character. And Lay- Layla Miller, you know, I'd, I'd like to see her. But, you know, as, as I'm listing all these characters, I don't necessarily want them in the current X-Men movies. You know, Days of Future Past... I don't know what's going on there. I mean, we're, you know, we're finding out there's like a million characters in there and some of them are probably just gonna be little cameos. I don't necessarily want a little cameo unless they're going to use those cameos to, to make other movies. You know, I, I would love to see an X factor movie. I, I think that could be great. It'd be something totally different, you know, different type of comic book slash superhero movie, but I don't want these characters. I mean, I hate, I hate, hate, hate that they use Psylocke in X-Men 3, Last Stand, or whatever it was called. Because, you know, she wasn't named in a movie, she barely had a role, and then she died. She got evaporated, disintegrated, whatever. 
and then her name was in the credits. And that was just stupid. Um, as far as New Mutants, uh, definitely Ileana. I think I love that character. I, she, I'm a little bothered how evil she is now, but that's that's who she is. And you know, with the dark child, you know, part of her, I, I I'd like to see her in a movie um, with the, the Soul Sword. That could be really cool. Danny Moonstar is a great character. Uh, Cannonball, he'd be cool. You know, to see the trick with him would be making that work. You know, live action without looking too, you know, you know, just pure special effects CG. Um, Bob Zanub says, in retrospect, were all the death of the family tie-ins all that necessary? Even though I understand why they would do such an extensive crossover event out of the storyline, I'm not sure it was worth it to halt a pre-existing independent story arcs. You know, I do want to say something. I did see, um, there was a comment. I, I think, I think, so as you know, last week, we saw the news about Andy Diggle leaving Action Comics. You know, maybe I, I should talk about this. Um, I'm sure we talked about it last time on the, the podcast. Um, so Andy Diggle's leaving. Tony Daniel is going to step up and, you know, write from his plot, from, from Andy Diggle's plot, finish the arc. And then we also heard that Joshua Hale Fieldkov, who was on this show a few weeks ago and, you know, talked about the great things he had planned for Green Lantern Corps and the Red Lanterns. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate, but I mean, I'll, I'll get to the, the, those in just a second, but I did see a comment in one of those where they, they did mention about Scott Snyder doing all these events and then forcing the writers to write, you know, these crossovers. And I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, rushing to Scott's defense, but in, in a way I am. It, it's not like he said, Hey guys, I'm writing Batman, so you guys, I'm, you know, I'm doing this big story, so you guys need to fit this into your book. That's not how it works. They, for the most part, you know, it, it was probably, you know, it's like, hey, we could tie this in, you know, it could be good for the book, it could be good for sales and this, but it's not like it was absolute that they had to take part of it because, I mean, look at Batwoman. She has not been in any, you know, she wasn't in, in Court of Owls or night of the owls she was in death of the family and and yeah she's a little more detached that it almost wouldn't make sense but since we're talking comics they you know if dc really wanted to they could force it in there i mean you know we we saw a crossover in all-star western which you know yeah you got the the gotham angle there but was it really necessary to have you know talons in in all-star western no was it cool yeah it was actually cool because i do and that's what i'm I'm enjoying about uh the current issues is you know we're seeing more about the court of owls back in jonah hex's time so it's not like scott snyder said hey you need to do this it's you know they they had the option and whether editorial says you know yeah maybe you should do this but it's not like they were forced to do that um as far as What's going on? I don't know really, you know, I don't know anything more than, than what's, what's been announced out there. What's, what's been said by um, the creators. Uh, you know, Andy Diggle said a couple things on his Twitter. Um, Tony Daniel made a statement on his Facebook, which, you know, I added to that to the, the post. Um, Josh uh, made a post on his website talking about just editorial differences. I mean, it, it sucks is what it comes down to. Uh, but the main thing is, you know, the creators are, are taking a stand. If they don't agree with something, they're not going to compromise themselves. So that's great. Um, as far as the full extent of it, 
I really don't know. I don't understand. I don't know if you know it's editorial or higher up than that saying, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that. Um, we don't care what people think. We don't care if this is a crazy idea. This is what we're going to do. We think it's the best thing. I don't know if, if that's how it is. And it, it did come out or it, w- it was mentioned that one or part of the reason Josh left was because they wanted to kill off John Stewart. I don't know if, if there that's there's any truth to that. I don't know if it's been um, more officially confirmed as I record this. Um, by the time you hear this, maybe it has or maybe it, it hasn't. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just really hard to say. For it's, It would be hard for me to believe that, that that would be the one thing. And that's where people don't necessarily understand how things work. Um, I'm surprised that people aren't necessarily making this connection because there's so many times where a character will get killed or characters will get killed in a book. And then when people are upset, they blame the writers. And I've always said, you know, going back to Ultimatum, you know, you use that as my example. With Ultimatum, it's not like Jeff Loeb walked into Marvel's office and said, hey, I'm going to kill all these ultimate characters. You can't do anything about it. You know, I'm going to sneak this off to the printer when you're not looking. So, you know, the, the same thing could be, you know, happening here where, you know, editorial may say we want to do this or and then the writer says, no, I don't want to. And, you know, sometimes the writer may say, I want to do this. Editorial may say no. So we just don't know. There's a lot of speculation. And that's kind of why, you know, I that's why I didn't write about that, because, you know, there was no official word on that. And I don't want to necessarily gossip and say, you know, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. It's just it's real unfortunate because obviously, you know, if you heard the, the podcast with Josh, you know, I was really excited about it. He was really excited about it. So we'll just have to see what what happens next. And, you know, hopefully everything will work out. Guess we'll see if if John Stewart's still going to get killed off or if they're going to change your mind or if it was never going to happen in the first place. We don't know. Um, but it's not really productive to just sit and complain and gripe about it. You know, it, things aren't perfect. But, you know, I'm definitely going to give the, the next books a chance. I've said so many times that, you know, Red Lanterns is is on on the line. I don't know if I'm going to keep reading that. So we'll see what happens because it was Charles Soleil is going to be doing it. I'll give it a chance. We'll see. Uh, maybe he'll win me over as well. And, you know, maybe it'll go a completely different direction than what Josh had planned. Maybe it'll be cool. Maybe it won't. We'll We'll see. Um, so as far going back to Bob's and Nub's question, this is all your fault, fault Bob's and Nub. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, some of the, the crossovers weren't weren't really necessary. I I did comment how I liked what happened in Red Hood and the Outlaws that we had Jason and Tim in the same book, so it wasn't two separate things. But I don't know, and they, none of them were, were really absolutely crucial. So, like, you know, the story with Batgirl where, you know, there are some, some cool things with, with James Jr. and with her mom. If you didn't read that, it didn't take away from the main story in Batman. And I, I do think that having all those crossovers did affect the main story because I was getting tired of the Joker, you know, all these issues. And then, you know, by the time I got back to the next part in Batman, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I am enjoying this story. So it was just too bad that. That's just, but you you have to do that. I mean, publishers kind of don't really have a choice. They need to make these big events because they work. People do buy them and, you know, they they get the the news and exposure. That's just, that's the way the game works. Um, 
Adam Crouch says, I'm a big fan, big JSA fan from Jeff John's stuff in Infinity Inc., but that is about the extent of my knowledge. So I was wondering if you could answer a few questions if you knew. Do you know of the JSA characters were just not used the whole time until Jay and Barry met? Were they just in limbo the whole time? When was it decided these characters would be much older than Earth-1 characters? These may sound like odd questions, but I always thought it odd that these characters were allowed to age, whereas others don't. Well, part of it, um, I'm I'm a little a little rusty on this now, but my understanding is all these Golden Age characters were from Earth-2, and then when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, when the, the worlds merged, I think, and I could be totally wrong now that I think about this, but then when the, the worlds merged, these characters were able to come over. So they had a different past. Like, you know, Power Girl was, was with them because she was from, from that, you know, she was the Supergirl from, from Earth 2. So they were just, they they were able to age and that's just why how it is. So I don't think necessarily they were like in limbo. They just were in their own world universe. So um, I'm sure someone will gladly put a comment in there if I'm absolutely wrong. Check out um, the pages. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, obviously I'm not going to look it up now as I'm talking. But you know, check out Jay Garrick's page and um, you know Alan Scott. See what is if there's any mention. You know what what happened in between there. So there's that. Um, Ecto Borge says, love the podcast. Let's do it while make game art. That's cool. What are some non-superhero comics that I should read? I'm a fan of DC and Marvel, but I want to read other stuff. So a couple weeks ago, Matt wrote about Why the Last Man. That is a great series, Brian Kavon. You definitely should check that out. Um, so it's 60 issues. You can get them in trades, um, like, like, you know, 10 issues at a time. So it's absolutely great books, non-superhero, really, really great stuff. Of course there's, you know, walking dead. That's not superheroes. Um, and going back to Brian K. Vaughn, uh, also last week was the private eye. So if you go to, um, I forgot the website, look, look, just look up, uh, private eye on comic vine and either look for the article or the review. I think it's panels panel syndicate. I think is a website. You can go there and you can download the first issue and you can pay what you feel the comic is worth. You know, if you think paying three bucks for a comic, you know, you can pay three bucks. If you want to pay 99 cents, if you want to pay five bucks, you, you have that choice, but definitely look at the preview pages. I mean, Marcos Martin is, is phenomenal. He's brilliant. And it's it's a really cool story because that is not a um, superhero book either. You know, it's set in a slight future. Um, also, if you like future stuff, there's the Star Wars comics. You know, we we had Star Wars Legacy, which takes place you know about 140 years after the Star Wars New Hope. So there's that. Um, Severed by uh, Scott Snyder, Scott Tuft. That was a like I think it was five issue miniseries from Image. That was good. Image has a lot of great books. Manhattan Projects, uh, you want to check that out. Um, Fatal, Fatal, as Sarah likes to say. Um, check those out. Um, there, there's there's so much other stuff. And, and that's what, what's great. Snapshot from Image. Um, there's two issues of that out. That That's cool. Image has a lot of really great, um, that are more you know, creator-owned indie 
and they're not necessarily superhero stuff. So you, you just got to kind of keep your eye out. Go to Image's website and just you know check out what they have coming out, and um, you know come back just just finish its its first run. Um, just just look and see what appeals to you because sometimes there's some you know books by creators you know. Sometimes there's books by creators you may never have heard of, but it's like a really cool book. So just just give it a try. Um, what are some comics that have really good fights? Um, some people may may discuss or, or I mean may disagree, but the first thing that came to mind was Identity Crisis. So there was a scene where Deathstroke um, takes on the entire Justice League. Um, there is just some good fights in uh, Batman with the Court of Owls against um, the the main villain. I won't say who it is in case you, you didn't read that. Uh, Secret Wars, I, I like that because you know you have all the heroes and villains fighting. And if you really want fights, the, the Kick-Ass comics they they go overboards. <laughs> and there, there's there's plenty of fighting there. All right, I'm gonna switch over to Twitter. Get these questions out of the way. Um, not out of the way because the, the the problem with Twitter is is, uh, is sometimes these questions. I don't really understand how the the logging system works here, but you know sometimes they they'll stick around. Like if I look up the hashtag Ask G Man, I'll see there's one from December. Um, but actually, no, that's, that's not even for, for me. That's for someone else. There's one from November, November 20th. Um, so it's weird that some, some of them stick and some of them just like disappear. Like they get deleted. I don't understand. So DC Fox on March 16th says, why do you think Marvel's free digital promo change to free dig, um, change from free digital copy to bonus digital edition? I don't have an official answer, but I think, I mean, it's just, it's the wording. You know, if you say free, people are going to be like, okay, thanks. That's cool. But if you say bonus, bonus sounds more, more enticing. You know, it's it's like, wow, I'm getting something extra. If you just say something's free, you know, a lot of times, because you know, what really is free these days? There's not, not a lot of stuff that's free. Stuff that's free is you get what you pay for in a sense. But if you're saying something's bonus, then you might be like, wow, that's great. You know, instead of buying just a regular comic, I get this bonus digital comic, you know, at no charge. I almost said free there. So that's, that's the only reason maybe it, it could be like a whole marketing thing. Maybe they did some, you know, poll and they asked people like, what's, what's the better word terminology? I don't know. But the, the big thing is, you know, how many people are, are using those? And I know a lot of people swap them. Some people like, I really do like digital comics. Um, I still, obviously, I'm, I'm buying physical copies. But every once in a while, I, I do like to look at it on the, the iPad. I mean, they look great. So yeah, use them if you got it. You know, give it to a friend, and maybe they'll start buying comics. Because that is the main thing. I know some people are looking at it as like, we can just swap swap codes. I don't have to buy as many comics. The main thing is, if you're going to do that, I mean, you want to try to get people to buy comics. We need the industry to thrive, and we need people to buy comics. We need sales to to continue to increase, so we can get more great comics. So there you go. Um, DC Foxo says, "I know you are a vegetarian, but would you eat artificially meat? Artificial meat grown in a lab?" Um. So I did see this this question last week, and I didn't get to it. That's that's a really tricky question. Um. I don't want to harp or go on about being a vegetarian or all. Um, 
you know, but it's it's not like I'm ashamed of it or anything. The the main reason I, I do it is for humane reasons. Um, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of gross. You're you know, here's this this creature that was alive, and you know, if you look like a a baby calf or you know, or like a, even a pig, you know, they're they're cute creatures and everything, and you know, they they have feelings, they can feel things, and they have thought processes. You know, they they can do things, they can get hurt, and then they just get butchered and. You know, there there's different ways of that happening, but just the idea you're you're eating some you know flesh, or you know like you eat a piece of chicken off the bone. It's like it's it's pretty barbaric. And and I, let me just say, I'm the first to say that stuff tastes good. That that is the big problem. I crave bacon. You know, if if I walk by like there's in the city on my way to the office, there's this breakfast place, and you know you can usually smell like the potatoes cooking. And, you know, sometimes you get whiffs of bacon and it's just like, oh, it's, it smells good and tastes good. But it's kind of gross if you think of what you're actually eating. Um, so, that you know, the main thing is, you know, and, and my wife and daughter are vegetarians too. And, you know, they don't judge. My daughter doesn't judge. You know, she doesn't, if her friends eat meat or her cousins or anything like that, you know, she's not going to, you know, never speak to them again. But... It's just it's 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 a weird thing. So if it was grown in a lab, like if we're talking about cloning, that that's a that's a whole other debate. You know, I don't I wouldn't don't even know what the answer is there. Um, I do eat a lot of like soy products. Like Morningstar has some good fake meat stuff. You know, fake sausages. Let me just say that the Morningstar. <laughs> you're talking. You listen to Vegetarian Talk on ComicVine.com. Um, the the fake the Morning Star sausage patties taste better than the Morning Star sausage links. I just want to say that, and the bacon the the fake bacon for Morning Star is good too. So there are some good fake meat products, and people are like, "Shut up!" I want to hear about comic books, but this is a podcast of stuff too. Um, there are some good fake meat products out there, and you know, it, all some of it is in how you prepare it too. You know, so I don't know about eating artificial meat. Um, I don't know if like soy meat, cause that's not meat, but it's, it's a meat substitute that's close. I don't know. Um, I'd have, it would be a real conundrum if I had to decide on that, you know, whether that goes against the humane reasons or whatever. Daniel Carroll says, when did Marvel go from newsprint to gloss? In other words, do you happen to know what the last newsprint of amazing Spider-Man or uncanny X-Men was? I do not know. Um, the answer to that, um, it was definitely in the eighties because you know it used to be your comic book pages would turn yellow, you know, over time, and you know the, then I'm trying to think if it was in the nineties. Was it that recent? Um, well, in the eighties, no, I take that back because in the eighties we started seeing some really like funky colors, like a lot of like blue. Like if you look at the colors, like in Watchmen, I always say that you know the the, the color kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. You know, heaven forbid I'm talking badly about Watchmen. But I, th- I think it was in the 80s, the paper started changing. But there was a point in the 90s when you could actually buy two versions of a comic. You know, you, you can get the regular edition or you can get like the, what do they call it? It was like some special edition. It was, it was like a dollar more and you got the, the better paper. And um, I, I do remember like with Uncanny X-Men or, or X-Men, you know, I, I was, I was like, I'm going to pay the extra dollar. And like Incredible Hulk, I was loving that series. 
I paid the extra dollar because I was like, I want a comic that looks even better than the regular one. So I don't know the exact date. I would think something like that would be somewhere on the internet. Someone would have to have recorded it. So here's the other challenge for you guys listening. You know, if, if you find out um, the date or the last newsprint issue of Amazing Spider-Man or Uncanny X-Men, please put it in the comments because um, people want to know. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Dan Rutten says, don't you think that Wonder Woman could be set outside of Earth-1 and that's why the continuity seems so different. Um, so we're talking about Brian Azarello's Wonder Woman. Uh, I believe Sarah asked Azarello this in the interview that went up last week. And he says it's it's now. Because the, the big question was, was Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman series, taking place before Justice League? Or before the other current uh, issues? Because it it just feels so disconnected, you know the way she, the way she is there, and you know yeah we have different writers and, and all that, but there's just this huge difference of feelings. Like Azarello's Wonder Woman, you don't really think of her with like Steve Trevor, or you know the fact like how come you know there's been no mention of Superman at all. Uh, he claims it's all connected. Whether that's the case or, you know, it's just in its own, I don't know. It's it's just hard to say. And there's a whole question about the flight thing. You know, was she able to fly right away or not? And I just think Brian is doing his own thing. They're letting him do his own thing. And, you know, we're getting some, some great stories in Wonder Woman. We're, we're getting, you know, some, some good stories seeing the relationship unfold between Wonder Woman and Superman. So I, I think we just have to say... Let's not worry about it. And and I, I know some people are saying, like, what? You're actually saying that? You know, let me just say, when when I harp about continuity and all that, I'm I'm trying to be like the voice for people who that you know are concerned with that because there should be some accountability on some things. You know, we, we shouldn't necessarily have you know characters and, and creators doing whatever they want. You know, there should be some accountability. And that's like what Kelly Sue mentioned, you know, where you know, sometimes things aren't going to mesh up completely. You know, they're not going to be lined up absolutely, but they should be to some extent. You know, I'm I'm totally willing to give some some freedom. You know, I I can look the other way when Wolverine's everywhere or Batman's doing a bunch of things, but then when you have like the Joker in like you know five different books in the same month, um, five different places, and this is all taking place over a couple days, then it gets to be a little bit much. And you know, with with Wonder Woman, you know, we we do have these questions, you know, there is this concern. It, it doesn't feel like it's in the same universe, but you know, we just, we just want to answer. And if Brian is saying it is in the same continuity, then I guess we just have to take his word and, you know, I guess just not worry about it. Um, Dan also says that he's not reading Batman incorporated, but for some reason he thought it was out of general continuity. Is he wrong? Yes, you are absolutely wrong. This is, this is actually like a an arg, not really an argument, but a, a a strong discussion that we had on a regular podcast where I said this is in continuity, and I don't know if it was both Sarah and Corey, but they they felt that it was kind of out of continuity, and partly was just the way Grant Morrison was handling certain things, and you know, like there was no mention of Court of Owls and Batman Incorporated, but you know, it was clear the the 
the two and a half million billion bounty, whatever on Damien's, you know, that was mentioned in Batman and Robin. So it's definitely absolutely 100% in continuity because we can see, we have seen that what happened in Batman corporate number eight is having a huge impact in the regular Batman books, um, the whole Ruck realm storyline. So yes, it does fit in. It is in the regular continuity. All right, back to the general form, um, the SG Man thread. Volshock says, "I'm trying to get more." And I, let me just apologize right now. I'm I'm reading these these questions cold. I haven't looked at these ahead of time. Partly, it's, it's been so insanely busy, um, you know, just with everything I've had to do. And then on top of that, you know, um, with with the the beta site uh, for Comic Vine and and you know trying to make sure everything's working and, and just doing all that. So I'm not, I haven't read these ahead of time and I, I kind of like that. I, I know sometimes that makes me pause or struggle or, you know, I may not have the answer off the top of my head, but I also think kind of like that it, it sort of does challenge me and it kind of puts me on the spot and, you know, you get a more honest answer if, you know, I'm answering something off the top of my head versus something that's, you know, I, I thought about and is rehearsed or whatever. So Volshock says, I'm trying to get more into DC. I'm currently reading a couple of the Batman-related series. I would like to buy Flash, Green Lantern, or Aquaman, but I don't know if I would be able to read GL without the other GL titles. Which of the three titles would you recommend the most? Um, the Flash is is great. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Brian Bucciolato and Francis Manipal. They've been doing great things there. Um, it has been kind of separate. There will be, you know, we're, we're seeing a little bit more uh, mentioned, you know, crossover between like in, in Justice League, Barry mentioned that he wasn't in the Throne of Atlanta storyline because he was dealing with gorillas in you know his city. So there, there's that little nod. Um, but for the most part, it has been a little bit separate. Green Lantern has also kind of been sort of separate from the other books to some extent. It's like, yeah, we just had Riders of the Third Army, but still, you know, you haven't seen Hal Jordan mixing it up with, with the other lanterns. What's going to happen with the, the new um, writers? That's, that's hard to say because Robert Venditti, who I'm looking for, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what, what he does. You know, I'm obviously I'm, I'm sad that Jeff Johns is leaving green lanterns after nine years, but um, Robert Venditti's doing some, some really good stuff. So he's writing green lantern. He's also going to be co-writing Green Lantern Corps, now that, that Josh is no longer in the books, him and Van Jensen, who, um, Pinocchio Vampire Hunter, <laughs> that was a, look for that book, that that was a really fun book, is wacky, I mean, you're talking about Pinocchio fighting vampires, saying a lie, letting his nose grow, and then he has a stake, so he can stake the vampires, I, I, I loved it, um, I actually, I did a, a, a video review, I'm, I'm sure if you do a search for Hopefully the new search is working. If we we are in a new site now, um, if you filter to a video search, look up Pinocchio Vampire Hunter, and you'll see. I I don't know what exactly I said. It was a while ago, but I did a video review on it. Um, so there may be more of a connection between Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, but I think that they would want to still kind of keep them separate. You know, there there is a good thing about having them. You know, having the connection there, but you also want to give people the choice of, you know, having them separate 
in case they can't or or don't want to follow all the books. Because if if like in your situation, exact you know specifically, if you have to read all the Green Lantern books to enjoy all the Green Lantern books or or to enjoy Green Lantern, you're not going to buy it because you you don't you can't do that. So they need to realize that that's a factor for some. And Aquaman, same thing. Um, Aquaman has had a little bit more of a connection just because it's Jeff Johns, but it's still, you know, aside from Throne of Atlantis, it's it's had a, a different feel. So um, you can definitely go with those. Um, I, I really, I've, I've really been enjoying Flash and Green Lantern, and I, I've been enjoying Aquaman, but not quite as much as those two. But I, those are three good books. Nutzak4888 says, was just wondering how you guys felt about foreign language in comics. I'm not talking about human language, but rather alien language that isn't translated. I feel like it pulls me out of the story, and when I attempt to sound like an alien, I end up sounding like Gloop and Gleep from the Herculoids. Um, it's it's interesting when when they they choose to do it, and you know it has to it makes you wonder what are they really saying? You know, we saw that in Avengers in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers recently. And then they ended up giving us the 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 key to decipher it, and you know you, you want to decipher it, but then it it does take a while because you got to sit there and you know do it little by little. Same thing when when Dupe speaks in Wolverine X Men or Ecstatics. Uh, you know I feel compelled to translate what he's saying, and it's gotten to the point where I actually start recognizing. You know I I know. When I see it, I, I I couldn't recite the alphabet right now. But after I start doing a couple, you know, you start like that's a T, that's a S, that's a H, that's a E. You know, you it gets faster and faster. But it does pull you out of the story because you know you have to take the time to actually see what they're saying. Same thing with Kryptonian. Um, but then uh, you know the other the other option is to have it translated and just say you know translated from Kryptonese or something. So. They want to give you the feeling that it is something alien, but like like in Justice um, Justice League of America's vibe number two, there are some alien speak. They didn't translate it. We don't know what was said or what was written, and you know maybe we'll find out later. So, um, it has its 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 benefit, but it's it's almost like they should just translate it for us, unless they're just making something up. If they don't know what they're saying, they shouldn't do it. Spider-Mac17 says, Greetings, Master G-Man. Because you guys are always talking about good Superman stories, I watched Superman Red Sun motion comic and All-Star Superman animated film to save time. Shame on you. But that's fine. Um, how closely do these compare to the original comics? Um, pretty closely. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I saw red sun i'm trying to think if i actually watched that one because i have seen it but i believe the idea is you know it is pretty pretty similar because they're they're taking it from the comic art and you know the dialogue is is pretty much the same too you know they may cut a line here or there but i think it's it's pretty much exact and all-star superman um we did a a, a video discussion on that of me sarah and norm chan from tested.com so you could do a search for that, do a video search for um, All Star Superman. Um, I don't know if we call it discussion or something, but I'm sure you could find that if you filtered your your search to videos. And um, it was it was pretty exact. But with both of those, I guess it depends on how much you like them. 
Um, they are worth reading because you know you, you do get to see some different things, and you know it's cool seeing like the the original material. But if you thought like like oh yeah, this was good, or you know if if you're limited on money, where you know you have the 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 option of either buying one of these stories that you already know how it plays out, or buying something new, something different. You know that that could be a tough choice, but I would definitely say at some point. You know, if if you did enjoy them, you should definitely read them. You know, maybe wait a few months or a year, you know, something when, you know, you got a few extra bucks lying around. So um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of telling a comic book story in these genres, motion comics, animated film? Um, advantages, like in your case where, you know, maybe you didn't have access or maybe you didn't have the time or or, or desire to actually read them. So by making it this way it's it's easier for someone to just jump in and say okay this is an hour an hour and a half i you know i can just knock this out in the afternoon or you know just no time and also it can get people who maybe are like you know yeah i don't feel like reading all that you know i i don't have the time to do that i don't want to do that so you know you can easily get someone else who is not into comics to, to check this out and then you know maybe They'll, they'll they'll fall for the trick and then you know they'll they'll actually want to read that or other stuff. Um, disadvantages is if the execution doesn't come out well, it could turn people off. Like so, I I can't speak on the the Red Sun motion comics, but I know some people didn't like the X Men, the um, Joss Whedon, John Cassidy motion comics. They felt it was too stiff or whatever. Someone may see may see that and just be totally turn off by the way it is if there's an animated movie and the the voice of superman or you know one of the main characters just didn't work for you that could really affect how you you know you you take the story so that would be you know made major disadvantage um what is your opinion on animated films based on comics and motion comics um i i think it's it's neat to see you know i'm, I'm still waiting for the secret full secret wars um, adaptation, you know, animated movie or um, Civil War. Yeah, I think it'd be be cool. Secret Invasion. Even though I know how those stories end, I'd love to see that. You know, given life a little bit. Um, so I'm all for it. Uh, should we get stories that we already know, or should we get original stories? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. You know, DC's been for the most part adapting familiar story arcs, and you know, it, it's it's cool seeing. How that's you know sometimes there's little little changes little differences but it, it's it's a cool thing to see. Why are these stories um, so definitive? Superman's characters they're just really really good stories. Um, you know Superman Red Sun it it was an Elseworld story but you know it it did some cool things it, it you know gave us a new look and like you know it was a a what if story so that that was cool and All Star Superman you know it's it's its own continuity. But it was just a really great story, you know, who he is and was and, you know, what, what he's willing to do. And, you know, it was, it was just a fun adventure. Uh, what makes a story definitive to a character? If it has a huge impact on them, if it's a defining um, story. You know, there are a lot of good stories out there, but at the end of it, it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't have an impact on them. It's it's not going to change anything or really define who they are. So that's what makes it definitive. If if it really encompasses what that character represents, 
On an unrelated topic, who are you most excited to play as Injustice God, God's Among Us? Um, I'm curious how Deathstroke will play because did I play as Deathstroke? <laughs> you know, actually, I think I did play as Deathstroke when, when no, 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 I played as Green Arrow when I played Greg at New York. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. I don't even think I've I've seen Deathstroke live. I, I really want to see how he works and you know how he's going to be different from the other characters. Um, someone like Superman, you know, yeah, he he's going to be the all powerful character, but I want someone that that has more ability that you know has actually move around a little, you know, more agility and that. So I, I want to see how Deathstroke is. I think that'd be cool, and also Nightwing. You know, Nightwing with his his motorcycle finishing move and all that that'd be cool. Um, Flash will be interesting to see how that because we all know you know if he's moving so fast, he should be able to in a whole different way and obviously you can't have that does the image below make the geek in you cry um, so it's a picture of Patrick Stewart and it says use the force Harry and it's supposed to be a quote by Gandalf um, okay I, I get I guess it's it's I see what you're saying. So does this make me cry in a way is it's, it's totally getting everything wrong. So it's mixing up Harry Potter, um, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings and Star Trek, or, you know, if you even want to say X-Men or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's totally wrong. It doesn't make me cry because, you know, stuff like this happens, but you know, I just kind of shake my head internally and, and just, just carry on. Um, okay. Next question. Savage Dragon says, I recently read a hardcover of the collected Incredible Hercules series. This edition tool place around, no, this edition took place around a dark rain time period at Marvel and had Hercules running around with Amadeus Cho making smart quips at each other. Have you ever read the series? It had a really interesting feel to it. You know, I read a couple of them. I'm not the biggest Hercules fan. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to say that. Um, and it, it just it was at a point because there's just like so many comics. I, I will tell you, I do have all those issues. They're all sitting um, in our office in, in one of the boxes. I, I bought them. I just didn't get around to reading them. And, you know, I just kind of flipped through them, you know, before we did a podcast. And I do like the Amadeus Cho character. I'm not so sure about Savage um, Wolverine. I didn't read issue three yet. But um, – I, I'm sure it was it was more fun than I gave it credit for, and, and I should have read it. But there's just something about Hercules that you know just didn't quite work for me, so I I'm, I missed out. So um, real question is: I listened to the last um, Butchelato, um podcast, the Butchcast, Butchcast should be, um, and where you guys were discussing the Black Bat. You mentioned he's in the Mask series from Dynamite. My question is. I would like to pick up the Black Bat. What prior knowledge or series should I read to be ready for this series, if any? Um, by the time this is live, there should already be a review for the Black Bat number one that comes out in May. So I did read it. Um, you don't have to read anything else. You can, like masks, I only um, glanced at the first issue. I didn't even read the whole thing. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Um, you know, because I... I Got the issue, you know, it's Alex Ross. How can I not get it? And you know, the second issue looked cool and everything. I just, it was again one of those not enough time. I didn't read it all. 
I almost forgot that Black Bat was even in the series. You do not need to worry about that. You don't have to track down those issues. You don't have to read anything else. Um, Brian does a great job. And I'm not just saying that because I, I think Brian's a cool guy. I mean, he, it, what I say in the review is just like from the first page, you know, you get this great description of the city. And, you know, just hearing him narrate it, you, you right away, you get a feel of who he is, you know, what type of a character he is. And, you know, it's, 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 it's has a, a different feel to it. And, you know, it's absolutely not, 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 not Batman. You know, it's, it's a different character. So, um, I think you're going to dig it. And the, the art really works for, it. um, I'll be honest. Sometimes the dy- art in the dynamite books isn't that great. You know, sometimes it's just, it's okay. Barely. Um, there's great art in there. The colors, colors really capture and set up the, the vibe of the book. So, you know, definitely pick it up. You know, you heard Brian talk about it. Um, I'm endorsing it. I'm saying it, it was great. Check it out. Give it a shot. See what you think. You know, um, but yeah, you don't need to worry about anything else. It's it's all right there. It's great job setting everything up. King Solomon, um, I just recently listened to your very emotional debate with Babs on the podcast about Batman Seventeen. <sighs> okay. Um, first, I do agree with you, Tony, that Bat's killing would be a permanent change for the worse. It could give us new stories, but it would not be Batman. It would be an Elseworlds Batman. I, I'll stop right there. Um, I'm not sure what else you're going to say. But yeah, I, I totally agree. There is something, you know, there, there would be benefit, you know, there is part of even the, the, the biggest Batman fan, you want to see him cross that line. You know, it, it could be really a fascinating thing. But once that happens, you cannot go back to it. And, you know, I, I brought this question up, you know, I think it was like 2010 about, you know, should Batman kill the Joker? And, you know, I played devil's advocate and I said how, you know, he's killed so many people, you know, Batman captures him, puts him in an Arkham, and then he, he breaks out, kills more people. But it's not up to Batman to do it. You know, he's not the judge, jury, and executioner. You know, that's up to someone else to decide about that. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily up to Batman to keep him locked up. So, you know, there, there's that whole thing and just, he, he should not, not kill. That's just, that's not what he does. He's supposed to be, you know, so trained. He can take down an opponent. Um, and you know, this isn't to say anything about like, you know, police officers or soldiers or anything that, you know, that they, there, there's nothing, you know, that's what they're trained for. That's their position, but they are in that position. Batman is a vigilante. He doesn't have the right to kill. You know, even though he's he's made it his duty to protect the innocent, he does not have the right to kill. A police officer, a soldier, does have the right to kill if they need to. So there's just a huge difference there. And I, I, I don't want to get more into this argument. Um, continuing with this, is my question to you is, we all know he thinks about killing Joker all the time. Would it really be that bad to show these thoughts in a more descriptive or with a visual aid? Okay, I'll pause right there. Um, that was a complaint people had. Um, but, you know, like even Scott pointed out that by when, when the Joker was, and, you know, spoilers if you haven't read Death of the Family yet. Um, when Joker was on the edge of that cliff, that waterfall, like the cavern or whatever, and, you know, Batman had him there on the edge, and and when he told him, "I know who you are. I know your secret. I'm going to tell you," he knew what what Joker's reaction would be. He knew 
the decision that Joker would make. So Batman didn't make the decision. You know, he didn't push him. He didn't do anything, but he just knew how it would play out. And, you know, is that going to be the end? Obviously not, but there's that possibility. Um, As far as in the story, um, I I think Sarah said that, you know, it would have been nice to have like a page or something that the show would the stop process. It's like, that would have just interrupted the flow. It's like you know, we're we're gonna have like because we don't we normally don't even go into Batman's head, so we're, we're gonna take this pause. You know, stop the action. Let let's see you know the the hamster wheel turning around in Batman's head to see you know what what fantasies he's having. It, it, it doesn't work that way. You you can't have that. And you know we don't have thought balloons. And if we had a narration box where you say like oh I should kill him and just put him into it, I I think that goes without saying. You know, he does think about it every single time, but like he mentioned, and you know, he even said it to Alfred, if he, he feels that if he killed him, Gotham would punish him and, and give him something worse. Cause you know, we, we've seen this like supernatural element of Gotham city that, you know, the city is alive and it is, um, you know, pushing Batman, testing him. Um, let's see. That's what I thought. Carrie this continuing. That's what I thought Corey and Sarah were getting at near the end. Batman will never kill, but I got to say it would be nice to see some sort of difficulty or hesitant with it. In what way could you show Bruce's ongoing struggle with his no kill policy? And for Sarah and Corey, how would um, you have shown the emotional struggle if you could change Batman 17? Well, they're not here, so um, they can't answer that. But I just, I, I just think it would have taken away from the story. If you know, what are you going to have like Batman running down, you know, a, a cavern way? thinking about it and then he's like oh if i do this this i I just i don't see how it could be illustrated within the story within that moment without just pulling everything out from it um so that was king solomon and thank you for being a subscriber i'll just say that not to make the rest of you feel bad if you're not um cantrip Says Tony in response to your recent podcast about Batgirl having a didactic memory. She was yeah. So this has come up. She, um, she was shown having it. it. Says a little knowledge showcase ninety four number twelve. Um, DC Comics Scott um, Peterson. It was a special about Barbara's is Oracle. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I you know I've never said I know absolutely everything. I don't remember her having that and. Um, you know, I, when I, I read, you know, the Batgirl stories in the past, I don't remember it being like, like a big thing. I just think, you know, it, so, so the bottom line is, is however long it's, it's been around, it just seems now it's just, it's, it's too much of a coincidence. You know, she has this, um, ability, you know, now Dick Grayson has, you know, he can read body language and, you know, it's, it's everyone's too much of ability. It's, it's like they're supposed to be normal people that are trained, but it's like no, they have these gifts. Um, but you know, that's that's if that's part of the character, yeah, I, I accept that. Um, it's just something I forgot. Um, Cantrip says, "I admit it is something that Simone should have mentioned much earlier in her series as part of her skill set." But with the amount of fan outrage generated by decision, take Barbara out of chair. I think it was assumed that most of her readership would be um, legacy. Um, Birds of Prey, Oracle fans. I'm also taking Ray Fox issue as a jump on point for new readers. So it would be a perfect time to explain what makes Barbara so different than the rest of the Bat family. So thanks. Um, Moy Jingo says, I'm 
adding this in quickly after listening to the last podcast with you, Sarah and James, and it's a point you've made several times. Why is it an issue if the Joker was everywhere in Death of the Family? Joker wasn't everywhere at the same time. Why assume that? His appearance in Nightwing could be a few hours on one day. His arc in Batman and Robin could have been Friday night or something. They didn't have to be going on concurrently. So why do you even consider something like multiple Joker theory? I never really said there was a multiple Joker theory. Um, That's something else that other people have said. I may have joked about that. But my point, my problem with this is, you know, it was said that this is taking place within a short period of time. You know, it was within a few days. My problem with it, with the Joker being everywhere is, you know, he had all these crazy intricate, it's like he thought of every single possible little outcome and had had plans for it times six or however many, you know, many scenarios he had. Um, Going to like the Red Hood um, issues, which, you know, I have given some praise to that, but, the fact is, you know, he 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 sets Jason up. He knows that he's going to, you know, set him off to get him to go after him. And then he he gets into the back of Harvey Bullock's squad car. And it wasn't a squad car or whatever, you know, police car, um, undercover vehicle, whatever. So of all the ways Jason could go searching for the Joker, how would Joker know that he's going to specifically take Harvey's car if it was Harvey's car? Um, but what's the ambulance he took? Jeez, I, I'm totally forgetting that. Because the thing is, you know, Jason could have crawled out the back window, climbed up onto the roof, and you know, hopped across you know a few buildings, or you know, maybe he had a motorcycle parked somewhere. That, you know, Joker would maybe would know if he's been watching him. But it just you know little things like that where you know he just had every little possible thing planned out, and then was able to get you know. Does anyone? You know, no one sees Joker driving around. Um, you know, dude with a leather skin face strapped to his, his face, to his head. Um, it was just too much. And, you know, with all everyone doing patrols, no one sees him going from point A to point B. That's all it is. You know, it's, it's not a, not a big gripe or concern of mine, but it's just, it just, it felt like it was too much. Um, Antonio Stark says... What do you guys think of the current Iron Man series with Kieran Gillen and Greg Land? I don't think it is horrible, but there's something about it that is very odd. Perhaps it's Land's art, which a lot of people aren't fond of. All of the women look the same, and Tony's facial expressions are creepy. Yes, they are. Um, the idea of him going to space is interesting, and with issue number six, um, issue number six is pretty good. I just don't know. Maybe it's because Matt Fraction's run was so consistently good. That is the, the unfortunate thing. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of comparison to the, the previous run. Um, and the other thing is, it, it is the art. I know um, some people, you know, obviously Greg Land must have some fans. And, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you like it, great. You know, everyone likes likes different things. But it just, it does take away when, you know, Tony does have those creepy expressions, like say, or all the women look like, you know, models and, you know, just straight out of you know makeup i don't know um i am interested with the the space stuff with the god killer and then you know is this going to tie into guardians of the galaxy so um i haven't read the last issue i i really do intend to we'll we'll see hopefully i will get to it um do any of you read spawn consistently 
I read a couple of volumes from the very beginning. I picked up a couple of issues right after Al Simmons died and Jim Downing became a spawn. It was really good, but I had to drop it due to tight funds. I find it strange that the series has lasted so long and has such a great legacy. Yeah, I don't know many comic readers still read it every month. How do you feel about Spawn? Um, I, I stopped like right after issue 100. So that was like a while ago. And it was because of funds at the time. I was like, you know, it's just like, eh. You know, I, I just, I stopped, stopped reading it. When um like Al Simmons was supposed to come back as an evil mega spawn or whatever they're, they're calling him. I was curious. I did pick up a couple issues, but I felt like I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know who this this new guy was so i didn't stick to it um i have picked up some of the the recent issues just because of the covers you know they've been doing a lot of those homage covers but i don't it's a character i, I was you know kind of curious in you know i uh, i was a fan of mcfarland but i just it, it it didn't work for me so i don't know um i would like to hear from who who is reading it because someone has to be um, who is your favorite lesser-known superhero? By lesser-known, I mean someone who barely appears and is perhaps underused. Um, can I say Madman? Um, he's not being used now because Mike Allred's busy drawing um, FF. Um, it says, by lesser-known, um, so I really like Speedball, although he was most recently in Avengers Academy. I think most readers just remember him for igniting civil war do you think marvel and other companies should try harder to include these kinds of characters or stick to heroes they know are popular and sell well um it's a little of both that you know obviously they they want to do the popular characters that they they know will sell because they need to make profits they need to keep you know things going but at the same time um you know if, if that's all we have then um it just becomes all the same thing. It would be nice to see some of the lesser known characters to, to give them a chance, get have them be fleshed out. Um, you know, Brian Michael Bendis writing Moon Knight. You know that should have been more successful. Um, I didn't really like the complete direction of that series, and you know, some people love Alex Maleev, some people not so much. So you know, there's there's other things, but. Uh, there, there, there should be a mix of that. You know, Darkhawk being an Avengers arena was interesting. Is kind of interesting. I don't know what the heck's going on, but I, I think there is something in, in using different characters, not just relying on the same, you know, five or six or ten characters, because then it's just the same thing over and over again. You know, I don't want twenty Batman books, even though I love Batman. I want to see other characters. Um, Nutsack for eight eight eight. So I was wondering how you guys would have felt if Batman would have dropped the Joker off the cliff and he was mortally wounded and then Batman would have realized the error of his actions would have immediately rescued Joker and resuscitated him in the Batcave. Um, even that, you know, I, I, I can understand Batman punching, being violent, but he is a master, you know, at hand-to-hand combat. He could kill someone. He knows those moves, you know, like we saw with Nobody in Batman and Robin. You know, he's got the ability. He could, you know, bink someone and and kill them. You know, he knows how to do that stuff. He doesn't do that stuff. He doesn't need to do that stuff. So um, what we should see him do is is like that paralyzing move more often where you just, you know, tap someone in the forehead and they they can't move. But even the idea of of Batman pushing Joker off the cliff, knowing that it's like, yeah, he's going to survive this. He'll just be, you know, terribly wounded. That I 
that wouldn't really work for me either. Um, and then, you know, if he then realized like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, and he tries to rescue him, that would just, that would almost be a, a little cheesy. I don't know. Um, it would just be, be kind of weird. And then, obviously, there's the dangers of bringing him to the Batcave. But, so, I don't know. And then, you know, the other people would, would probably have you know, a, a problem with that. I don't know. Another possible ending to the book would have been mind-blowing, um, would have been a Fight Club-style ending in which Bruce realizes that he has been the Joker all along. Boom. Uh, yeah, that would have to be like the last Batman story or Elseworlds or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking it. I'm saying, you know, yeah, that would be crazy, but you can't. Obviously, you can't do it. Caliph the Pale says, I asked this once and you said you would make a video of it. When are you going to do it? Um, all right. Um, I'll tell you what, Caliph the Pale, I will do this as a next one. So not the one that hopefully went up this week or will go up next week, but I will do that. I apologize, Caliph. Um, I will definitely do one for that. Um, let's see. And our last question um, for today, I apologize. This is a little shorter than usual, but this is from Muckleflugga. <laughs> um, he says, Gotham seems so dark and scary. Why don't um, they build loads and loads of streetlights to make it brighter? Uh, because the electricity and, you know, who's going to pay for that? And, you know, people can barely, you know, pay to keep the streets clean, you know, the, to have the, the trash picked up and all that. So, and then the bad guys would vandalize it and break it or steal the light bulbs or do something. And it would just cost more money for the taxpayers. Why doesn't a character like Superman go into Gotham and knock out all the bad dudes? Um, well, depends on what bad dudes you're talking about. If you're talking about, like, gangsters or thugs, you know, you got to be able to track them down. And, you know, guilty until proven innocent or innocent until proven guilty so that would be a little harder, and there's also the territorial thing. You know, we we saw a little of that with um in Justice League, um Justice League, where Wonder Woman didn't want their help fighting Cheetah because Cheetah was like her problem, and she's like, when you know you have to deal with Lex Luthor, I don't come and you know get in the way or anything like that. So I think there's that bit of pride where you know they have their own territories to to take care of, and you know it's it's not like Metropolis is free from crime or supervillains. So you know Superman's not the end all answer. Why doesn't Batman have a live feed of Joker's room in the asylum? He would then know straight away how and when he escapes. Um, knowing Joker, he would probably have some way to disable the the feed. He would have someone working on the inside somewhere and you know put it on a loop or manipulate it in some way. There's there's always some way for the Joker to do his his shenanigans. Um. And you know, and but the the probably the more realistic answer is if that happened, then we wouldn't have Joker stories. So it it's it's is ridiculous that Batman hasn't figured out a way to ensure that Joker absolutely cannot escape. But if that was the case, we wouldn't get these stories. It's not that Batman thrives on the chase; it's more that you know, for for the sake of the stories, you know, we we have to accept that that does happen um let's see and why don't asylum doctors give up on joker surely by now they know he is not treatable well because their profession their their duties you know if if 
they are completely legit. You know, it's they're bound by the Hippocratic oath or whatever to you know they they have to do it. Even they can't just say that's it. There's there's no no hope. They you know they have to do what they can and and you know how much treatment are they really trying to do? It's like you know they they have them locked up. Are they trying to give them you know therapy lessons and or whatever? So I don't know. And it's the same thing that you know just just part of the story. So we we have that. All right, that is it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you ladies for listening. Um, thank you to Kelly Sue DeConnick for taking time out of her busy schedule and, and talking to us. Um, the unfortunate news is there will not be a podcast this weekend because I will be at WonderCon, and it's the same story before where Corey is not allowed in the building on his own because I think he peed on a plant before. I don't know. Um, so I will not be able to do the podcast because I'll be running around um, talking to people, doing videos. Um, as far as the next episode next week for this episode, this show, I don't think there's going to be one either because um, as I revealed before, I normally record these on Thursdays and Thursday when I would record next week's, the, the whole time travel thing. Um, so it's actually tomorrow when you're listening to this. I'm um, flying down to Anaheim so I will not be able to record with someone. Um, ideally, you know, I would be able to record something at at WonderCon, but yeah, I don't. I'm not going to bring you know a big mixer and you know mics and whatever stuff. So I don't think there's going to be a super or an invincibly super massive book about other stuff next week. So I apologize, but you know we'll make up for it. Um, we'll see if if I can do something. I don't, I don't know, but um, so that's going to be two podcasts you guys are missing. So I apologize. So you guys can go back, catch up, because I know some people say, you know, they aren't caught up yet. Or, you know, maybe you can go back and listen to another episode. Um, I don't know if you want to listen to the first episode of this one, because that was just me by myself. And I'm not sure how that would be. Um, go back, listen to the Josh Fieldkov one and be sad over what we could have had. So thanks for listening. If you have questions, go to the general forum, to the Ask G-Man video question thread. Put your questions there. Right now we are halfway through um, page 34. I just want to say, um, people, that there's only um, one more page after this. And as I record this, it's not even a complete page. So I am almost caught up on this. I don't know... um, what, what there there was a little little lag little drop in in the, the questions um so there you go ask your questions and also on twitter i'm gman from heck you know you can say hello um ask a question use a hashtag ask gman i will answer your questions and i'm going to try to get back on um on schedule with doing the ask and you shall receive videos on a, on a weekly basis I think I haven't officially said it, but I'm kind of, I guess, officially saying it now. I think I'm kind of giving up on the spoilers video because, you know, part of me, I just didn't feel right about doing it, <laughs> even though the the views for that were a little better than, you know, some of the other videos. I I just don't know. Um, so let, let me know what you guys think. You know, if you like to ask and you shall receive, you know, doing videos there because those are fun to do, too. So, you know, I may just 
go with that since my time is, is limited. So look for the next episode. We will talk soon. Thank you, guys. And if you are going to WonderCon, um, keep an eye out. I hope to see you. You know, Make sure you say hello. Um, I still have some stickers and a couple, a few, not very many, a couple buttons. So um, definitely let me know if you're there. Um, say hi. Love to see you. Um, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. So, so my question, my question is, is, could it be? We don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book best affects you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two.